Hey guys, it's Robin, RCB Carter, and today's topic, we're gonna to talk about home affordability. And one of the common questions all over the internet is how much home can I afford? Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you won't be able to afford your new home if you don't understand what it is you're getting into. So let's talk about the pre-approval. Many buyers will call me and they want to know the process of purchasing a home and the first thing I I want them to do is basically get pre-approved just to make sure that we're not, you know, going over things that we could go over later, maybe help them with their credit if they need to if, if they can't get pre-approved. But getting a pre-approval is very important, but it's not going to be the all that you need to know and how much you can afford. Really, it only determines how much the bank is willing to loan you. So that doesn't mean you can necessarily afford it. Although they use your debt to income ratio to qualify you, as well as your credit and other things, you're not going to truly know what you can afford just by your pre-approval. For example, you get pre-approved by a mortgage company for 200000 and they base it off of your income, which would be your gross income. They're not looking at your take-home pay. And there could be so many things that are coming out of your check for your take-home pay. Now, if you're paying child support, they'll deduct that. But if you're not, then there's a lot of, there's some people, you know, they, they don't get that much money back. And some people, they, they get more money back as far as tank home money. Now, DTI is your debt to income ratio. Some lenders will go up to 50% of your income, which is kind of crazy in order for you to qualify. So if you get pre-approved for 200,000, that is probably the number you do not want to uh, shop for a home if it's just you. Now, if you are getting qualified for 200,000, that's being that's the max. If you have someone else helping you with the bills, um, then maybe that would work. But never, never shop for the max amount that you're pre-qualified for or pre-approved for because it's not taking a lot of things into consideration. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you don't ever want to be house poor, right? You want to be able to, one, maintain a lifestyle, meaning if you love traveling and you have in the past and you want to continue doing that, you want to be able to put money aside for that. Going out to dinner with your friends, having a few drinks, that's part of your lifestyle. You never want to not have enough money to do that either. Buying gifts for celebrations, supporting your friends with their businesses and charities and fundraisers, afford a date if you're single. You know, the, those things right there affect your lifestyle and you wanna still be able to have enough money to pay your mortgage and support that. Number two, supporting your basic needs, your self-care and maintenance, your doctor's cope, your doctor co-pays, prescriptions, food, household supplies, when they calculate your pre-approval, they're looking at your gross, not your net. So now these things aren't in your budget, right? So you have to make sure that you know what your monthly budget 
is based on your basic needs and your lifestyle. And then there's three, afford everyday spending. You want to be able to afford everyday spending, such as gas. You never want to say, I bought a house, but I can't come, I can't go to the beach, drive to the beach, even though it's free, because it's going to cost a lot of gas money. Your car insurance, they don't count your, count your car insurance. Unexpected deductibles. If you get in an accident and you need a car, you need your car for work, you need to get it fixed, your deductible is $500. You need to be able to have that money. Savings, you're, you need to be able to pay yourself, right? Investments and retirement plans you're paying, they don't account for that. Your child expenses, such as class trips and clothes. Now, I remember when I first started out with my family, you know, my kids never had that extra money for class trips. I didn't give it to them when they were younger. When we were very, when we were, when I was much younger, I want to say, when my kids were like three years old, I was like maybe 21, 22. And I didn't really come full into my career. And I didn't have the money for child, child expenses. You know, the clothes, I had to, you know, get another job just to be able to get school clothes for my kids. So you just don't want to be house poor if you can't, you know, maintain a lifestyle that you that you love and you can't support your basic needs or your everyday spending that you have to do. So, you know, doing it by yourself as a as a homeowner, that's great. And I always tell people when they're buying a home by themselves and, they don't, and they're not moving in with anyone else to help them pay for their bills, they want to make sure that if they ever get into a situation where they are on disability or workers' comp or so forth, you're still able to have enough money in the bank and save and be able to pay your mortgage until you get back to work, okay? You never want to live check by check, but I understand that that's, that's not always avoidable, right? So when you're buying a home, you want to know how much you can afford. You want to make sure that your check, at least your mortgage, if it's one check, okay, you might be able to survive. But if it's a check and a half, I would reconsider, you know, what your needs and wants are. Because you never want to make the drastic decision that you want a house so bad that you're cutting into these basic needs and lifestyle needs and everyday spending. Now, if you're going in with a, a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a life partner or somebody who is not legally tied to you, as far as responsibility with such as a husband or wife, I would still want to know if I could afford the home by yourself, right? You want to be able to still afford the home by yourself because God forbid you break up, you know, or something happens, they leave or, or it just goes separate ways. Now you can't afford a home that you bought just in your name and you're depending on that other person's salary or their income and you may not even have bad terms in splitting maybe just the simple fact that they lost their job so an income is lost so you want to make sure you can afford a home by yourself never think about with the other person right unless you're married and you're both on the loan now you you have uh you have to understand young couples they call me all the time and they want to buy a home together. And the next thing you know, you, you get a phone call. Hey, I need to sell my home because now I can't afford it. We split up and I have to pay child support. 
So these things I'm telling you, it's not to scare you and make you feel as though you can't afford a home, but I wanna make sure that anyone who I'm dealing with as a buyer, that they can afford a home. And to tell you the truth, the last thing I'm worried about is how much the home is when it comes to myself because I'm not making the mortgage payment. And to tell you the truth, I want you to love the fact that I found you a home that you can afford. And so, you know, to make a couple dollars more off of you buying a home that's maybe 5,000, 10,000 more, it doesn't satisfy me to know that you can't afford it. And that's, it's a personal thing for me because I've been there, I've been house poor. And let me tell you, if you're in a relationship and your house poor, there's nothing worse than being stuck at home in a room, staring at each other, bored to death because maybe you want to go out to eat and you can't afford it. Or maybe you want to go out with friends, but you can't afford it, you know? So if you really want to know what you can afford, I suggest taking the pre-approval, asking the mortgage lender how much is the payment if maybe you found a home in this price range and then it's very important to know what the taxes are because that changes payment in every way this price range and with these taxes and then if they tell you a number that you don't like then tell them what you want to pay a month and when you tell them what you want to pay a month then you'll know how much home you can afford and then after that you still want to double check your budget Go ahead and do a financial audit of everything that you're making payment to, everything that you love to do, whether it's getting your hair done, your nails done every so often, getting a tan, whatever it is. If you like to go out shopping with your mother on Sundays or even go to the casino and blow a couple dollars, go out to eat, then you definitely want to make sure that that number fits and you have money to do that. Plus, let's not forget, save money. You never want to be in a home and not have a savings because that is the worst thing you can do because being being a homeowner has a lot of responsibilities that go along with it. And the worst thing is having to, you know, pinch pennies and find another job to be able to afford to go ahead and, and get things fixed in your home. Now, I would suggest if you're a first time buyer, you want to make sure that you are looking at homes that do not need a lot of work. And this is another thing that I'm going to talk about when it comes to how much you can afford. A lot of times on the internet, on certain platforms, you'll see these homes and it'll say foreclosed or bank owned, or you may even see a home that looks perfect because the agent did a wonderful job at hiding what it is exactly that's wrong with the home. And you get in there and it's a whole different story. A lot of buyers will see a home that is in their in the lower price range, something that they love, but unfortunately, some homes they can't qualify for. And that's because they're made for investors and people who flip homes and people who have cash in their wallet. So if in their wallet, to do certain repairs and they have a certain type of mortgage for that as well. So most first time buyers buy homes that um, that are easily uh, able to pass the appraisal inspections and have bought sellers who are willing to fix things that may fail in an inspection. 
and if if you get a first-time buyer loan most likely it's going to be an FHA 203b or a USDA or VA loan and those loans require that they are move-in ready unless it's a renovation loan and a renovation loan I don't recommend for first-time buyers who are not handy and who don't have cash in the bank because remember Renovation loans are for homes that are foreclosed or bank-owned because banks are not going to fix the property before you move in. They won't negotiate that. Now, they'll negotiate closing costs, and that's a whole different topic we can talk about later, but they're not, gonna, they're not going to negotiate repairs. I've, I've never seen one. I, I'm not going to say 100%, but in my experience, they won't. On top of that, I want people to rethink bank bank-owned and foreclosed homes. The reason why they are a deal is because they know that it needs work. They know how much work it needs. And if you're doing a renovation loan, the bank is not gonna allow you to fix it even if you are handy. They want you to hire a contractor to do these things. And it can't even be a contractor you're related to. And it has to be a reputable one and, and that has good ratings. So. These types of properties are very hard to get. And even though, you know, you may have a realtor that doesn't know, you know, too much about it and will try their best to get you what you want. But in the end, the worst thing to happen is you spend money on inspections up front that are required and of your own, um, of your own investigation. And now you put about thousand dollars into investigating what's wrong so that you can figure out how much money you need to fix it. And then the bank says, sorry, this home doesn't appraise. Now, let's say you find a house that's 100000 And you think, oh man, this is a great deal. It's my house. It's got an in-ground pool. It has X, Y, and Z in it. I love it. Now, the problem is the bank knows. Let's say if you fix it up, you're like, man, this house could be worth 150000 you know, or 200000 well, the bank already knows that. That's why it's priced at 100000 So now you're spending extra money in getting for a renovation loan and getting a consultant to come and help you, several appraisals and inspections, and some banks and lenders with renovation loans will charge you more money or a higher percentage to do the loan. So now you're paying... A loan for $150,000 to get a home that you want, get it fixed like you want it, and now at a higher rate. So now you're spending more money a month when you could have just bought the $150,000 home that's move-in ready at a lower rate and you're paying less a month for. So those are my thoughts when it comes to renovation loans, which most likely are homes that are foreclosed or bank-owned because one, the banks don't really know what it is that needs to be done. They can just tell you, just like a realtor can tell you, well, look, that bathroom is ripped out. I guess you need a new bathroom, right? Or the electrical wire is cut there. I guess you're going to need an, electri- an electrician. And the walls are broken. I guess you have to fix them. So there are other things we don't know about the property. And a lot of times, these foreclosed homes... The owners were very upset. They will tear a home up. I've seen a toilet with Barbie dolls stacked inside of the toilet. Who's to say what else they flushed down the toilet 
or because the home is being ripped from underneath and they got attached. They didn't pay. They got attached. And now they still believe it's their home. So they're not going to let the next person enjoy it. And they're going to make the bank have to fix it or sell it for a lot less than what they owed. So I just wanted to put that out there. So when you, if you're a first time homeowner and you have limited funds, right? You need to really reconsider looking at bank owned and foreclosed homes because they're the hardest to get and they're more headaches. If you've never done it before, it's more of a headache. I don't care if you have the best realtor in the world, you are going to have a problem getting a home that needs renovations and you're gonna walk in there house poor and not be able to afford it. So that's my tips today um, about home affordability knowing what questions to ask they would be more like what is my rate going to be right how much debt to income would i be in what would, would it be the, what's the ratio that you qualified me at and then i would also have a, a talk with whoever you you're going to be sharing expenses with or even if it's yourself go sit down with your parent or somebody who knows even your realtor if you have no one and go over your monthly budget and make sure that you're able to save at least five to a thousand dollars a month just for putting in the bank for a rainy day. It may seem a little bit out of reach, but I know a lot of people who call me all the time. They want to buy a home. They've been living with their parents and have no money saved. No money saved. So my question is, once you st- and living rent free, my question is. Once you start paying a mortgage, whether it be $1,000 or more a month, how are you going to afford that with your lifestyle, the way you're spending, if when you lived with parents or someone else and didn't have rent, you still do not have money in the bank? You need to rethink your financial planning. You need to rethink what it is that you need to do in order to basically afford to be on your own. And that's one of the biggest pet peeves I have. I have no problem selling homes to people, educating them, but I definitely don't feel comfortable in selling a home to someone that can't afford the home. All right, I hope you enjoyed that today. I hope to bring you more information and more content on buying a home and even selling a home. And thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Have a great day, everybody, and happy looking, happy hunting. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact me. My email address is rcbliving at gmail.com. And my website is rcbliving.com. And you can contact me at 856-392-2284. I'll do my best to answer any of your questions and assist you, your family, coworkers, friends, anyone that has questions, feel free to send them over to me as well. Have a wonderful day and take care. Bye.